A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 72, with your host, Dan Power. And Pete Steinberg. A very warm Thanksgiving welcome to all you MLR fans tuning in. Dan Powell with you, joined by the professor. Pete Steinberg, the king of the sideline, the coach's oracle himself. Peter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing? Good. Just looking out at a little snow falling in Colorado I, for Thanksgiving. Were you expecting that? Like, I woke up this morning and my daughter Penelope was like, there's snow outside. I'm like, sure. And I looked outside. We had about three inches. That was not expected. I think you guys got a little bit more than we did. Uh, yeah, no, three inches. That's a fair assessment. But uh, <laughs> this isn't a show about precipitation, is it? It's about rugby. And um, oh, there you go. Oh, let's hope uh, COVID doesn't go through uh, speakers, folks. Pete's time. Okay, I'm good. You're right. I'm good. I, I, I went. I went on my first ski session. I went, went up to Breckenridge yesterday. So I think this is just the altitude. Socially distanced, right? Every like skiing socially distant. Everyone wears masks. Everyone socially distant. But yeah, it was. It was uh, the, the sport most ready for COVID, and they didn't know it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, Pete. We got a bumper show coming up. Obviously, the MLR kit was released this week, and it made uh, it always highly. You know, it's popular and controversial as well, isn't it, Kit? It's amazing that a thing like a, a jersey release can create so much hype uh, and so much uh, division amongst people as well and what's good and what's not. It's been interesting to see the, uh, you know, the, 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 the public perception of the release. What were your thoughts on it initially, though? Well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm always a traditionalist, right? So, so I like... You know, I like traditional jerseys, and so, you know, I like. I, but I'll say, um, and you know, I think I think there are some jerseys out there that are really that are not traditional that are cool, right? So I actually really like the the Dallas jersey because I like the Dallas colors, um, and I think and I think that's good. But but my favorite jersey, I mean, I think looking at all the jerseys, I think. The, the two favorite jerseys that I have are probably um, Nola and New England, but I think that's just because I'm a traditionalist, right? Like Nola have the sort of the quarters and um, New England have the hoops. And both of them, by the way, what I love is the socks, right? So New England socks look like their jersey and Nola socks have the uh, sort of um, graded gold in going into them. So, so what about for you, Dan? I mean, other than obviously the Gilgronies being your favorite, what are the <laughs> other... What are the other um, kits that you liked so I, I gotta tell you I think New England did a good job again uh, they, obviously the collar is a bit of a throwback to you know the it Halcyon is. days of rugby and I think uh, a lot of people appreciate it I I would like to know why we went away from collars well it's because it, people can grab them 
Okay, is that that's it? It wasn't yeah, just like it. save uh, material, cost cutting yeah. methods, or anything. No, no, it's it just, just people. People, I think, I think it was people can could grab them, and I think that's the like now you can't grab a collar. I think it's a lot a, a lot harder to be able to we should to, to grab them. We could why see do you think that, the collar. Why do you think that like the what was it the I don't have it up. I used to have these things up in on the set here, but the British and Irish Lions kit from the last tour that had sort of. It was sort of a collar in the front and it was like they were sewn down, like at least a collar that looks traditional, but is modern for performance. Why do you think we haven't seen sort of that resurgence? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, San Diego have, have, have a, like something like that, right? So San Diego looks like a collar, but I don't think it's actually a collar. It's called a foller, a faux collar. I think it's a faux collar. So it looks good. I mean, I mean, I just have to say, I, I I think all of these jerseys are sharp, right? I think I think they're they're all sharp jerseys. I think the designs are cool. I think that you've got a mix. There's a little bit for for everyone. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the alternate jerseys are. And and I know that we have uh, um, we have Matt Walsh coming on a, l- a little later. But you know, and then there's always the one-off jerseys, right? So the one-offs for, for the special events. So yeah, we saw the, the camouflage. They came out and did a great job. Yeah, I agree, and it and it is funny that uh, obviously there was a lot of like online chatter about uh, what's the best one, and, and I don't think there was like a consensus of like, oh, this is definitely the best one, and some people like one and another, and, and it just goes to show that tastes are definitely interesting. So I so, I, I will jump off my fence, Pete. I I, I actually liked Seattle again. I love the color and and what they've done up there with keeping the consistency in the color with the teams. I also thought Toronto's looked really sharp. So it was very simplistic, just the hoops, but I liked the, the, the butchers, the blue and the whites. It looked good. Yeah. I did run a poll um, over the last week, um, getting into a final series and the winner for the, I guess the second year. I don't know. Maybe it's not the second year. I think new England won last year's kits, but uh Seattle, defending MLR champion, and uh, I guess wins the kit competition. Wins the kit competition, you know. You was, and Add another star on the jersey, Seattle. You've got the MLR kickoff kit competition, which is really more of a popularity contest uh, on social media than. Which uh, is, you know, and, and Seattle have a, a strong fan base, right? So they, they should win all of these competitions. They have a great fan base, and obviously. With the kit comes the opportunity to buy kit and uh, MLR kickoff proudly sponsored by, you know, the rugby shop. So make sure you get to the shop at shopmlr.com. And that is powered by the rugby shop and our friends up there in the great white North Canada doing a great job. Also, we saw a return to uh, domestic rugby, Pete, as the Stars and Stripes, uh, a program close to your heart as you coach the women's team to two World Cups. Two World Cups, yes. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch the game? So I, I, I caught bits and pieces of it. I'm disappointed that the second game didn't um, happen because of some COVID issues. Uh, so I was, was actually planning um, the, uh, uh, um, you know, the Saturday around being able to, or the weekend around being able to watch the game. Uh, but um, so I caught pieces of it. I mean, it looked kind of like what you would expect it to look, which is a bunch of players that haven't played for eight months. Um, it doesn't really matter how much they train. It's been great. I think it's been great. And, and 
you know, good for, um, you know, the program to bring the players together. Great to see some of the programs that, um, uh, also, also great to see the individuals step up. So there were a number of players that sort of made the commitment to come out for two months, pay their own way, find their own place to stay. And so I think that shows a real commitment to the program. Um, but it's been an, an important couple of months. I think that I'm sure the coaches, Rob and, and you know the others, were disappointed not to, for the second game because the second game is really where you would see like players because the first game is just knocking off rust, right? It's just you know the first half was really scrappy and you could see some of the things I think in the second half that the team was trying to do, especially with the offloading and fast game and contact. Um, but it's the second game once that rust is knocked off that you could really judge. And so missing that second game you know, is, is that's a, that's a big loss for the program in terms of their prep, especially when you're looking in the UK and you're looking in Australia and New Zealand and there's club rugby going on. There are players playing games and we, we just haven't been able to do that here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's put your coach's hat on for a second. Who are your standouts? Do you have a three, two, one? Um, so I think that, um, and, and this I think is true for um, the, like, I, I think it's just true for the 15s program. I think the standouts were the sevens players. Like, the two people that um, really stood out for me were Alana Meyer and Christy Kirsch. And I think, you know, when I look at my experience with the national team in 2014, we didn't have the sevens players and we came sixth. And in 2017, we did have the sevens players and we got into the semifinals and came fourth. And, you know, I think that with the Olympics in, in 2021 and with the World Cup, relatively shortly afterwards. I think um, having access to the sevens place, not just for the US, but also for other teams like Canada. So, so the draw came out and we got Canada in our, in our draw, which I think is a, is a good draw for us. Um, but if Canada has their sevens players and we don't, that puts us at a disadvantage, right? So I think that um, the sevens players I thought really stood out as, as you know, they're in a professional environment. Um, those guys have been, been there for a while. I think, I think that's important. I, the big thing is going to be looking at some of the players that are, you know, going over playing in the UK and, um, you know, playing at Exeter and, and seeing how, how they do. I think that's a great model for the US to help them um, prepare for um, the World Cup when, you know, we, like our, our competition at, you know, best is going to be starting in March, right? And so, like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but, if, you know, if there was going to be a women's club competition, March isn't a bad time to do it. could lead into the summer. That could lead to prep. But, you know, that's the best that we've got. So I think, you know, it's, 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 it hasn't made it easier for the U.S. Um, COVID, right? And I think the, um, what they've done over the last two months was good, but it's really just trying to play catch up against countries that are actively playing well, and, it, and it's difficult, right? Because we've seen some of our players go over to the UK and play, which is great. But you can't anticipate an entire squad going over there. Right. Um, we even saw in Australia, some of the, the, the women in the Australian program went and played rugby league because the women's rugby league season kicked off. Right. So we saw, you know, Charlotte Kaslick, Elliot Green, uh, a few others went and played rugby league. Um, we don't have that option. We can't send players down to the Southern Hemisphere. Those borders are shut. So it's uh, obviously, as the, the former coach now, it's not a bad situation to sit back and watch. But can you imagine being Rob Kane and that staff and thinking, we need to play. We can't just right. train. We can't, we can't keep doing stars and stripes because it's just, you know, it's not going to work. This is it's a juggling act. It's a difficult Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's all about, so it's, 
you know, about finding the talent. So you got to, you know, you have to have your best talent on the field. And, and I'll say, Dan, that, you know, the, the difference that we, that, or, or the philosophical difference that we had in 2017 that we, um, took, that was different than 2014. In 2014, we focused on trying to get international test matches. And we felt like that was important. But what we realized was that we never really had time together to train and to actually do things. And so in 2017, we had less of an emphasis on playing games and more of an emphasis on being together. So I think a lot can be made up for the US women if they can get the time together next summer. But like, I, you know, but I'll go back to the sevens, right? So it's gonna be a real balancing act for Rob to be able to decide, right? Um, is it better to have a sevens player with a couple of weeks prep going into a World Cup or better to have someone that's been with you all summer? Right? And, and, it's, and, it, and it's, not an easy, it's not an easy choice because the sevens player is probably a better athlete. May not be a better rugby player, but probably a better athlete. Um, but the player that's been with you might be able to play in your system. Right? And so um, we, we had that same challenge and we basically in 2017 made the bet on the sevens players. And we said, we feel like these guys can help us compete. And, you know, we had, we had them for a few weeks and then we, you know, and, and, you know, we had a, we had a very deliberate selection policy in 2017 that was, you know, because we're going to have six or seven starters that haven't played with the team, the schedule was really favorable for us because we had Italy and Spain first before we um, got to play England. So we're like, we're just going to play the same team. And so, you know, and it was disappointing for some of the players because if they weren't selected in that first game, it meant their chance of being a starter later on in, this, in, in the World Cup was pretty small because we're just like, we have to grow in. We haven't played, this team has not played together. And so our hope was that we did enough to get into the semifinals that we did but, and that we would grow enough as a team together by playing those three games that when we got into the semifinals, we were good enough to be able to win, right? That was, that was the goal. And we didn't quite get there. Maybe I think, you know, I, I feel like if we, if we could play the world cup again, having played the world cup and had those five games, I feel like, you know, we would have actually had a really good chance of being able to compete, um, you know, and, and actually win. But, but we just didn't have enough games. Right. And that's, and, and, and that's the challenge that you had for the U S just like you said, Dan, you know, we, we have to make choices that maybe other teams don't. And, um, you know, COVID has, has exacerbated that. But I think the commitment from the players over the last couple of months has been good. I think the commitment by the program to make this happen has been good. Um, you know, you, if you think you wouldn't have got that eight weeks together training. And so there's a real, like, you can actually change skills over the last eight weeks. And so I'm sure the like embedded now in the players, some of the skills that they need to be able to play the game that Rob wants them to play. So I think that there's been a real benefit of having sort of like this eight week camp, but it's, it's, it's the next, the rest of the time is going to be really challenging. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only reference point I had to that Pete is 2016. I did the super series in Utah. You were coaching the team there and the, the difference from week one, I believe you played England first out of the gate um, and got beat pretty badly. Right. Uh, who had just come off their professional season. Yep. Uh, playing over in England. Uh, and then the last game was, I believe, against the French. I think you had Canada yep. sandwich in the middle. Yep. And then played the French really tough, who had also just come off their season, who were in yep. game shape. And you were off the summer. Your WPL was a fall. Uh, so you had a, a fresh roster. But the, the improvement over that uh, three-and-a-half-week stretch was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's, 
That's that's right. And I think it's it's why the World Cup, and it's true on the men as well, right? It's, it's why the World Cup in both the men and the women's game is a bit of a leveler because like the US men never get eight weeks together, right? Ever, right? But going into the World Cup, they got eight weeks together. So, so the World Cup ends up being a bit of a leveler because of the time that you spend together. Um, and if there's ways to find games embedded in that, then that's like the real win. And, um, you know, but, but I, we have, you know, we've got some really, really talented players. Um, and, you know, I think that you can see some of the outcome of the elevated college game with some of these young players coming through that I think is really good. So, you know, I think, I think that there's going to have to be some choices that are made by, by the staff that are going to be compromises. And, but, but I like our draw. Right. So basically, you know, that we need to be able to, um, you know, beat Canada. And if we, you know, and, and, and Europe won. So maybe Ireland um, that aren't as good as they were when they beat us in 2014. Right. Um, or maybe it's a Spain, which, 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 which can be strong. But, you know, we would expect to beat those teams. And so you know, the, the, the opportunity to win that pool, I think, is a really strong one um, playing Canada in the last last game. So it's, it's setting up the World Cup. I mean, I'm hoping for a vaccine to spread around the world so I can be down in New Zealand. Uh, at the World Cup in 2021 with my daughter. That's, uh, that's, that's the plan. We'll keep our fingers crossed that international travel is available at that point. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, mate, let's jump into the interviews. We're going to start with Matt Walsh, who's with Paladin USA, uh, the company that has been with MLR year one and in now into, uh, sorry, year two and now year three and four, respectively. So let's uh, not stand on ceremony and jump in to Matt Walsh. We are joined now by uh, the man who is known as the king of kit in America, the director, the CEO, the chairman of the board, the Frank Sinatra of Paladin Sports, Matt Walsh. Walshy, how are you, buddy? A busy, uh, a busy end to a busy season for you with the launch of MLR's new kit, though. Yes, thank you for, for having me, guys. It's, it's great to connect uh, with you both. And uh, it's been a busy time. It's been a busy time for us, uh, you know, leading into the kit reveal, uh, trying to get all the teams, uh, you know, to decide on the kit and go through many revisions. But, uh, you know, the end result was was fantastic. And, you know, so far we've received great feedback from the teams and the fans and the end piece is uh, very satisfying to, to see out there. Well, I think that um, everyone was excited that Paladin got renewed because the kits that you guys came out in your first year were really, some of them were really spectacular. But before we get into sort of the kit process and how you work about, about yourself, you, you live in California, you, you head up um, Paladin for the US, but how did you get into that role and um, what's your connection with kind of rugby? Yeah, so I kind of, I essentially kind of fell into the role. So I came across um, playing rugby you know, moved to the States, moved to New York for, you know, three months uh, back in 2012 uh, and then just enjoyed it and, yeah, you know, continued to just work through the rugby club and then an opportunity came up with, uh, with these guys who were starting Paladin Sports in Australia. Uh, through an old club of mine, they just said that, you know, I was living in the States and, uh Basically, he, you know, they contacted me. You know, we're interested in, in getting into into America. I'd never done anything, you know, sales based or anything like that. But I was like, I know enough people 
kind of thing. And, you know, I'm happy to point you in the right direction. And from there, one of the owners came across and um, we had some meetings and got some traction and basically started doing something, you know, part-time. You know, as I said, I hadn't done sales or anything like that. And I don't really consider it sales, but just providing a, uh, a service and had enough people that I kind of knew and built it up from, you know, the grassroots. Essentially, that's how we've come up through the States. We've gone through all the youth mum and dad programs um, into the men's programs, into the college programs. And then, uh, you know, the opportunity came up with the MLR, which kind of came through, you know, we, we looked after Old Blue, which then, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we looked after them and then, you know, Rooney started their exhibition season. Uh, and so, you know, some of those guys were uh, a part of that. And so, you know, we did the kit for them and then that spearheaded into, uh, you know, putting together something for the MLR, which has been, you know, fantastic for us. And so far, getting, you know, great feedback from all the players and the fans. Well, you must have had to ramp up a little bit where you go from like a few teams here and there to MLR, right? So can you talk a little bit about what, like what's the presence of Paladin in the US and maybe what you guys think about kind of your growth with MLR in the future? Yeah, essentially our, our growth has been steady. And then once we got to sort of, MLR last year, we really, you know, increased. Um, but we, we knew from a production standpoint, you know, we, cause we had the grassroots sort of established. Um, we knew that we could support, you know, a bigger contract such as the MLR because we had all these clubs and, and basically, you know, we've found success when we, you know, we're into areas, you know, so, you know, I was originally based out of, uh, New York. Uh, so we, we got a lot of the, you know, Northeast clubs in and around there. I moved out to California um, for both lifestyle, but to grow the business. And then we all know that California is a, a, a hotspot for rugby. Um, and so it's then expanded even more there. Uh, and then we've just got guys sort of sporadically kind of, you know, around the country. Um, and, you know, for us, we're just, we're just growing. Um, you know, we want, we do the MLR, which is fantastic. And, and it gives us great branding exposure. Um, but it also authorizes us that, you know, we can go into these other, you know, mum and dad clubs that are just starting and they know that they're a brand that, you know, gives us authority. And, and you know, kids want to wear what the professionals are wearing. And so that gives us a lot of leverage there. Um, and so it's been a win for us um, while, you know, and, and that's what I say to these, you know, these other clubs, oh, you know, you know, you do get people starting to question, uh, you know, are you going to be able to look after me if you've got all this other business? But I say to we do the MLR so we can look after you, you know, that we, we're never shying away from that. Um, and so, yeah, as, as the MLR, you know, has expanded, um, we're just ramping up and, and you know, we, you know, last year um, we did the first order and then people, you know, the product got out there, we did more, we did more. And now it's just, you know, continued after that. So it's been a good ride. Yeah. And it's been pretty well received too from not only 
the players, the fans, but everyone involved has loved the designs. Internationally, it's got a lot of recognition as well with the launch. Talk us through the process, Walshie, between yourself and the teams. How much creative influence do the teams have? Are you presenting them with a, a, basically a template and then they get to work from there? Or do they have full customization of their kits in the MLR? Yeah, so basically every team works differently. Okay, and so what we've sort of built our brand on is the customization of it. Basically, we can do anything you like. And, and you know, we, we have a great in-house design team. Um, we've actually got more designers than sales guys because we want to make sure we get that element right. Um, and so different teams come to us at, at, at different levels, you know, like you've got, you know, a, you know, a team like Toronto who, who just wanted... He, they came to us and they said, we want hoops, but we want to incorporate an arrow into the hoops. And so that was, you know, fairly easy for us to, to come up with. Uh, you've got other teams that, you know, Legion, you know, they, they wanted to put, you know, an embellishment of, you know, the Gladiator on there. Um, and then you've got, you know, new teams like Dallas that kind of, you know, it's, it's some teams like Dallas and the Houstons, they sort of, pick out elements from other jerseys that they kind of like and say, you know, this is our color branding. Um, what can you come up with? And so we'll go through, give them a couple of options, narrow it down. These elements we like, we dislike it. Um, and then we sort of take it from there. And then, you know, someone like a Rooney, you know, like they, they uh, wanted to change around their branding, you know, a bit. And so they had some, you know, influence. Uh, they had some outsourced, outside sourcing, um, you know, for, for some of their branding. So they came with us with specific sort of uh, a look that they were kind of looking for. Um, and so, yeah, we sort of work through it from there. How many emails between yourself and the manufacturer before they believed the colour scheme for the Gilgronies? <laughs> Just kidding, Gilly. Don't come after me. I love the Gilgronies. <laughs> Yeah, but that, that, that's another one that, you know, they're, they're specific for a colour, you know, they're, they're trying, and, and that's what we're trying to get. You know, we're, we're trying to get, you know, elements that are going to, you know, stand out for their fan base, you know, something for them to get behind. And, you know, you've seen Seattle with, you know, their members and, 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 and things like that. So we're, you know, and they also, you know, I know they're using you know, that, that text of sort of colours. Um, and so, yeah, most teams are trying, you know, New England, uh, obviously, and, and Old Glory, you know, they're, they're trying to get, you know, the American, you know, bring that, you know, bit home. And so, you know, again, he came to us and, you know, wanted to incorporate a, the flag and stars and stripes. And so we just came back with, you know, a bunch of options and worked out an end result for there. So, um, I mean, I'll just make a request as, as one of the commentators. Could we please not have the Gilgronies jerseys, which it's almost impossible to see the numbers on the back, especially if the sun's in your eyes. So I understand that they, they, have, some, they have some design requirements, but please, will she help, help us and, yes. and, and run, maybe run some of the color schemes. <laughs> so yeah. what, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how the sales have been for jerseys um, and the other stuff that, that, that you guys have done. Which of the teams have really, you know, fan bases have really stepped up and, you know, always, you know, always having to replenish those orders. Talk, talk to us a little bit about kind of what the um, consumer marketplace has been for you guys. 
Yeah. So the, the, the top sellers, um, uh, you know, your Seattle, your New England, and um, and surprisingly, Nola Gold. They, they move a lot of merchandise there. Well, it's actually, like, honestly, it's a really good jersey. Like, it's just a good-looking jersey, especially. Yeah, that, no, the Mardi Gras no, one was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Mardi, like, like they're, um, I think what Nola have done in general is they've played, they've stayed very true to New Orleans. Yes. So it's the right colors. It's, it's just, there's like everything seems to go back to New Orleans. Right. And I think that's probably why it's, it's, it's so popular. They've, they've had some really, really good jerseys. Yeah. And I think that's the, 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 the clubs that, you know, decide that, you know, that's their branding. They really succeed. And, and, you know, they've been, you know, some great ones. Um, uh, Old Glory, they, I don't think they had, you know, high expectations, but then every game they pretty much sold out of merchandise. Uh, and so, you know, they, they were one of the teams that played, um, you know, and, and I know we only had a few rounds, but every game, you know, their, their pre-season games, they're like, what can we do? You know, we need more jerseys, you know, things like that. And so, you know. You're like, uh, hold on, let me... <laughs> So what, how does that go? Do you then call in back to Australia and you're like, yeah, we, I mean, it, it can't be that. E-. So my wife for a long time managed kit for the USA. And so I, I, I know what it's like getting stuff like stuck in customs and, you know, or like DHL and trying to track it or getting it from China. I mean, at least I know secondhand. So when, when a team comes to you and says, we've sold out, we, we need more jerseys. Is that... Like, all right, let's 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 go and make it happen. How easy yeah, is that it, it, to do? Yeah, pretty much it's a challenge and we try and educate the teams not to do it, you know, but you know, we, we want them forecasting, we don't want pressure on us, the factories, uh, things like that. But yeah, pretty much you know, we find it difficult to say no because we get excited too. So, you know, if if there's a fan that wants to wear something palleted, we'll do everything we can to do that um but yeah in an ideal world you know give us you know two 18 months, months 18 months lead time get the sizes yeah. all of that sort of stuff yeah. right yeah and so i think people realize that like like you know and i've you know i have i've felt it as as a spouse but also as a national team coach especially with the us they've, they've had a number of different kit suppliers that have changed and um, people don't, don't realize that to really do it right, you need 18 months because you need to get the sizes right, right? You have, which means you have to get samples from that particular factory. If you're doing it in China, then they have to come in and then everyone has to try it. And then it has to go back. And especially things like World Cup jerseys or Olympic jerseys, those things that are really custom designed, it takes a long time to pull those together. So I, I, I'm going to guess educating the uh, the teams that your lead time isn't two weeks is probably part of part of the job. Yeah, and 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 that's what you know. We were so lucky, but not so like we we're very satisfied that we pulled it off last year because we literally got confirmed that we're going to be the supplier, and we need product three months later. You right. know, so it was just like okay, twelve <laughs> teams. Let's allocate you know all our top designers. Let's you know hit the ground and go, and, and it worked out, but. Yeah, you, you're right. We Timing, you know, the more time, the better, you know. To, All right, to make. I, I got a request, Walshy. I don't know if okay. you can make this happen, but I, World Rugby just put out some NBA-themed jerseys. We've seen the explosion of that style, especially in the Southern Hemisphere, the NBA, very popular. Mm. 
can we get MLR Paladin NBA jerseys, fan-supported jerseys? Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Is it we, happening? Uh, yeah, there, there's one or two teams that have ordered it so far. Uh, and so, yeah, they're, they're, they're very big in uh, a lot of the pro teams in like New Zealand uh, and Australia actually, you know, yeah. have jumped on board doing that. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully more teams want to want to do that because we can definitely produce it. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of if, if teams want to go down that route. If an extra large Gilgroni one falls off the back of the truck, and what do you want, Pete? A Giltinis, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll Medium? Take Giltinis. I actually I'll love the colour scheme. How is that going with that? the pastels of the Giltinis? Was that a tough make or is that something you guys no, enjoyed the challenge? Yeah, it's exciting because of, um, you know, it's, it's you know, they're, they're nice colours, I think. Like, I love and them. We've, come, we've come up with some nice concepts, um, but... Yeah, sometimes when you, you come up with too many concepts, it's hard to narrow it down. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're still navigating through that. Um, and I think the end result will be good. Um, but, yeah, you, they're, they're looking to do some exciting things. Um, well, they only released one jersey, Welshie. Do you know why? Is there, <laughs> is there something yeah. to look forward to for LA fans? Yeah, they're, they're, there's a couple of ideas around that. Um, but they haven't, you know, I, there is a couple of ideas to get excited about, but nothing has been confirmed as yet. And so, yeah. Well played. Uh, well played, Matthew. Yeah, I've got to play a strap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. Walshie, we appreciate you jumping on. Know you're a busy man. Uh, hopefully safe and healthy out there in Long Beach and looking forward to seeing the players back in those Paladin kits in 2021. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me, and we'll, we'll chat soon. Have a great day. Perfect. There's Matt Walsh. He's the CEO of the Americas for Paladin Sports. There you go, Pete. I, I think his title actually grew as we went through the interview. I think he just started as Matt Walsh and finished as um, you know, the dictator of all kit around the world. So good for Walshie. Hopefully he gets a pay bump with it as well. Yeah, I mean, it was great to kind of get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how... Um, uh, 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 how the kit works, right? And so, um, as I as I said on the, well, I mean, I think it's just it's just, it's just interesting thinking about all the different kits. Like you look at all of those kits. I mean, that's a that's you know, this isn't you're not making one kit, right? And so having one for all of the teams with all the different needs, um, it's uh, it's interesting. And Paladin have really stepped up. I mean, Dan, you and I know we've both been with the national teams and we've grabbed something, and you're like, hmm. Like, how good is this? You're like, you're like is it? I'm with the U.S. national team, and this is the kit that I've got. It's kind of weird, but I think that we haven't. I, I've heard very few complaints about the quality of the of the kit. So, good job on Paladin. Absolutely. And if you ever want to divide a fan base, throw a jersey down and tell them to decide. So, our next interview is with a guy who, you know, decided to actually do something about it. He jumped in and started designing his own kits and put them up and. I don't know if you had a chance to look through all of them, Pete. I think he did a pretty tremendous job yeah, with did. some of the designs. So let's not uh, wait around much longer. Let's bring Johnny Cranon into the show as he goes through his story of the MLR Redux kit design. All right, we are joined now by Johnny Cranon all the way from Belgium. Don't let his accent fool you. Originally from the UK. But Johnny, appreciate you joining the show, brother. How are you holding up over there? Uh, not bad. Thanks for having me on. Uh, actually, not from the UK. 
funnily enough, I'm uh, I'm half Swedish, half Belgian with an English and accent. Cut. Let's go. <laughs> no. Well, you've got that. You've got that accent like my co-host yeah. Steinberg. So, 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 hold on, hold on. So, where's 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 the accent from? I uh, went to a British school for six years, and then four more years at an international school. Um, okay. So, I've never lived in the UK. Never, no connection to the UK other than that my girlfriend's from there. But, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm stuck. Just be accent. careful because both uh, Dan and I are living in the US primarily because of our wives. So. You might end up moving back to the UK if you. Oh, if you we'll see. Okay, that's fine. Let's 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 get going. Let's go All back. right. Again. We uh, we have you on the show, Johnny. Obviously, the big news coming out of MLR was the kit release for the 2021. Now yeah. you have found some uh, infamy with your kit release, the unofficial kit release, but uh, in in the minds of a lot of the fans, uh, a superior kit release of you, uh, the MLR jerseys. <laughs> Give us a little background on the history of how you came about designing those kits. Um, so it started with um, the announcement that the LA Guiltinis were going to join the MLR. Um, and um, they released their logo. And I, like many other people, was quite upset um, by both the name and the Martini glass and the logo. So I, out of uh, frustration... Um, made a very crude um, mock-up of just like a very basic um, kit with a with their colours, and I made them a logo without the martini glass, and said, "Here, you can use this free of charge. Um, I don't care what you do with the kit or the logo. Use it if you want, whatever, as long as you change your name to something that doesn't have." A, a cocktail associated with it because I don't think you can market that to kids. Uh, I think it'd be very difficult to set up a junior academy for the LA Guiltinis when it's named after and based around a cocktail. Um, same goes for the Gilgronis, but that's a whole different issue. Um, and yes, now I posted that on the MLR subreddit um, and uh, someone sent me a message on Reddit saying hey i like your design i like your kit for la would you mind doing a redesign for the um the other teams in mlr if you'd like to um and i said why not i've finished my exams i've got nothing else to do um covid isn't letting me outside at the moment so uh yeah made made some logos for all the other teams started off with using a kit designer um and then uh, did that for all the teams. And then I thought, well, I thought that was pretty fun. Going to do some seven stuff as well. And I, I uh, sort of learned as I went along and developed my skills. So then the seven stuff, I did all on my own, no kit designer or anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hold on. This is, this is the start of your new career of, of, of designing sports kits so 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 do you have a background in design like i think you're at university in belgium what are you studying um well funnily enough i study philosophy so no no relation to design or anything the uh the only background in design that i have is that like when i was 16 i designed a logo for um an invitational team that i played in um 
and they needed a kit and a logo. <laughs> and that's about it. I designed the logo and then the kit using yeah, a, a kit builder online. Um, but that's it. Um, right. So, so, yeah. so for other budding designers, get online, find the kit builder. You can make whatever <laughs> kit, whatever kit you want. I think, I think I remember that in one of the old rugby games, you could make the kit for the team that you were playing. Yeah. One of the, one of the cool things about major league rugby is the fact that we have fans around the world. So talk a little bit about how you even found major league rugby, like maybe what your background rugby background is and, and, and why MLR is something that you follow. Well, yeah, I'm a, a massive rugby nut myself. I've been playing since I was five. I'm 21 now. Um, uh, and uh, played, represented Sweden at all age groups. And I'm in the, in the senior squad now as well. And um, I, I just love rugby. And uh, even back when I was like 16, 17 and pro rugby got started, I was following that the whole time because I was just waiting for rugby to crack America. And then that folded and I thought, well, that's a shame. And then MLR got announced and got excited again, started following everything, um, all social media that they had, just to be up to date. Um, I've watched all the games because I just, I'm so excited that there's another professional league now. Um, and it's looking like it's being, it's getting very sustainable, um, which uh, pro rugby never had. Um, and uh yeah, so I watch all the games. Um, if it's on the East Coast, I can watch them live. If it's the West Coast, then that's uh, that's 2, 3 a.m. for me. So I'll watch them uh, the day after normally. But I just find it massively exciting that there's a new league and it's developed and improved every year as well. Um, the contrast between the five rounds that we were able to have this year compared to you, season one is massive. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, Major League Rugby. You're a big fan. Yeah. Which uh, which team? Which is your top team? Which is your favourite, and why? I uh, I don't know if I'd say I have uh, one team that I follow specifically. Um, I just like watching all the games. There's, I think, I sort of go. Well, I'm a big fan of kit, um, as we know. Um, so I sort of go off which teams, first of all, which teams play the nicest rugby, the best rugby, and then which teams have nice kit. Um, I don't really have any affiliation to any areas in the US. I have an uncle that lives in Texas, but that's about it. Um, well, that's so lucky. Now, There's a lot of teams in Texas. So you're well, exactly. Okay. exactly. <laughs> so now, now I'm stuck with oh, well, which, what, which team from Texas do I have to choose right. now? Um, so, so no, yeah. no real fans, but, but like, who do you think, so who do you think has played the best rugby? Which, which team for you has been like, that's the team that I love, like, I love think to watch the best? Year, year one, it was 100% Seattle and they deservedly won it. Um, year two, I thought Nola started off really well. I was really, really impressed by Nola in the beginning. Um, but then they sort of dropped off sort of halfway through the season and uh, San Diego sort of became the team to beat and then Seattle managed to sneak in there. Um, but then this 2020 season, San Diego, I thought were outstanding. Um, there's a reason they went five from five, and it's because they played the best rugby. Um, so I was looking forward to seeing if they were going to be able to to uh, go one step further, and they did the year before and actually win it. But um, yeah, it's a shame we uh, everyone everything went into lockdown, the whole world shut down. 
Yeah, I spoke to your uncle. He's a Kilgronies fan, so get on board with uh, Austin's in there, buddy. Hey, has there been much uh, interaction with the team since you released the kid? Has anyone reached out to you? Obviously, I know it was uh, quite popular with the fan base, but was any uh, Paladin kind of reach out to you? Did any of the team say, hey, we'd love you to do a mock-up for us for a, a fan jersey, a one-off game? Anything like that? I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but uh, I, well, I can say I didn't design any of the jerseys that, the, that any of the teams went with but um, the guy that reached out to me after I made the first shirt and sort of asked me if I wanted to do all this turned out to um, work for uh, for Rooney um, and so I got sort of had a few calls with them and so sort of, we had some discussions um, um, but then yeah, it turns out I'm a 21-year-old philosophy student with no background in graphic design. And although they liked my designs, um, uh, understandably went a different direction, um, which uh, you know, I fully understand. I wasn't expecting to, uh, to uh, get a gig, get a job out of this. Um, but I think it's really cool that teams in the MLR are open to working with fans. Um, and I think I can't speak highly enough for them because it, the fact that, you know, a uh, philosophy student in Belgium, like I said, can um, even be in the mix for something like that is, uh, I think, pretty insane. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, Dan, you know, well, Johnny, you've got a chance right now. So have you been capped for Sweden? Um, not yet. Okay. Uh, so Injuries so have uh, hampered, uh, hampered me a bit, unfortunately. Good. Because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if there's a team out there. What, what position do you play? Uh, I'm a fly half. Oh, so, so fly half, like soon to be international, could also like double up as like kit designer, logo, marketing. I mean, what do you think, Dan? I think maybe, maybe there's a team out there looking for, for um, you know, someone to provide a little bit of boost on and off the field. Well, I was thinking, why don't you uh, redesign the MLR kickoff logo for us and do a little rehash for, for us. Give us a, a modern 21-year-old philosophizer touch to it. How's that sound? Maybe if you want, I'll do it. Well, what else are you going to do? You're stuck inside. Well, there you you finished. I, I, I did get a little jealous, Pete, when he's like, oh, I'm done with exams. I've got nothing to do. And I'm just like, oh, I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember those I remember days. those times that I had nothing to do. I haven't, yeah. I haven't, I haven't had nothing to do for like, 25 years right yeah. you've always got something to do. Uh, it gets old it gets old I have nothing to do well it'd be great to have you over this side Johnny once uh once we get things back to, to normal again and, and get in a game I know you've got a lot of choices you, you kind of joined me on the fence with uh not picking teams which is a safe spot to be but <laughs> it's, yeah. I've got to keep my options open haven't I <laughs> absolutely well brother we appreciate you jumping on stay safe over there and um Good. again Sorry for the UK thing. I don't think I could have done a worse start to this and accusing <laughs> you of being from that, uh, that place. So no offense to Pete. No Actually, lots of offense <laughs> to Pete. All right, Johnny Crane, appreciate you jumping on, brother. Keep the designs coming. Absolutely love what you're doing and uh, stay in tune with MLR in 2021. Cheers. Have a good one. There we go. Once again, apologies to Johnny for saying he's from the UK. I mean, oh, amongst Brexit as well, Pete, how dare I? How dare I? <laughs> well, you know, I just love the fact you've got some guy that is like so, so passionate about American rugby without any connection 
with American rugby, right? I mean, said he showed, followed pro rugby and now he watches all the games. Um, you know, but, but also I love the fact, you know, that, that connection with Rooney, right? I mean, I think MLR is really a place of opportunity. You've got something, you've got value to provide. There's probably a team out there that, that, that you can help that would be open to it. So I thought that was a great story. Oh, absolutely. And you know what I love? And you probably know this too. So we've been calling games since year one. Um, I get more messages from around the world of people who are like, hey, big fan of the league, love what you and Pete are doing, love the podcast, love you commentating, all this sort of stuff from like all over Europe, you know, the Southern Hemisphere as well. It's been quite interesting to see how big the league is internationally as we look to grow it domestically as well. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that, Dan, is the league's decision to let all of that be free, right? So, so you can watch all the games on Facebook, like, or, or you were able to watch all the, all the games on Facebook. I don't know what, what year four is going to be, but the fact that it's really accessible so anyone can watch it, I think that's one of the reasons. It's not like on Sky. And so I think that in terms of building the brand of the league, it's important. And also because we have so many international players here, there's a lot of interest, whether it's in South Africa or in Europe or in the Southern Hemisphere. A lot of people are following their teams that play top-level rugby and you know, following their players and following them to MLR. Exactly. We had Squidge on the show a few months ago. And even right. he's like, you know, I'll stay up till two in the morning to watch Seattle and San Diego play. And I'm like... I don't even stay up to two in the morning to watch Australia and New Zealand. Right. Well, like, like, how committed are you? But it, right. it is, it has been fascinating to, to watch that. And it's great to see guys like Johnny, you know, actively participating in the league as well with his kit design and doing that sort of stuff. So um, if you haven't had a chance to look at them, we'll, we'll get them up on the socials so you can have a look at some of the designs and give us your thoughts. All right, Pete, let's go around the grounds now with some league news. Obviously, the MLR kit was a big thing. We kind of dived into that already with our opinions on it. Sponsors. Now, that's the other part of it. We got to see some new sponsors on the jerseys with the release. One that jumped out for me was Seattle uh, Krusties. I actually went out and bought some crusty stuff just because it was on a Seawolves jersey. Now they're with uh, the WAFD. So they will be the jersey sponsor now for 2021. Uh, also, Ballast Point jumps on the front of the jersey down there in San Diego with the A Legion. good beer. I have to say, that's a ballast point is a, is a good beer. But this is actually part of the like, growth of the league, right? So it's, it's um, the, the, you know, the league needs to bring in revenue. And you know, revenue will come from um, seats. Uh, it'll eventually come from TV. And it'll come from um, sponsorship revenue. So the fact that there are companies out there that want to pay to be on a jersey... I think that's uh, that's that's a sign of the league strength. So, I, and, it, and it looks, you know, I I I was looking at all the jerseys, and I'm, you know, I actually like not having logos on the front of the jerseys. I think that that's that's one of the things that I like. But it's it's uh, I, at the same time, I hope that you know every team by by uh, year five as a logo on the front of the jersey, because that'll show that the, that the league's really begin, beginning to bring in some revenues. Well, it's, it's interesting too, like the traditionalist uh, like countries in terms of sponsorship, like putting sponsors on a national jersey was like a big no-no for a long, right. long time. Um, I remember getting to France for my first season there and our first game, I get the jersey out. And I'm like, looks like a cyclist jersey. Like it no, there's hard. so many. It's like on the collars, it's yeah. on the shoulder, it's on the back, it's on the front of the shorts, the back of the shorts. Not, it's not a spare piece of fabric on that jersey, Pete. Was And it was very tight too. Let me tell you, lucky I was in a little better shape than I am now. 
But uh, oh, just just quickly, do you want to clarify uh, Washington Federal? So I, okay, I went Washington. I went I went with the uh, yeah the acronym there WFD, which is Washington Federal, the bank, uh, great supporters of rugby in the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle SeaWolves. So. Uh, cancel your checking account uh, and go over to WFD open account. Tell them Dan sent you and you'll uh, get absolutely no discount. All right, let's go with some signings now. There were some big ones as they start to trickle in. Um, fans of the LA Giltinis, you know, waited on bated breath and we knew behind the scenes they were quite busy. But obviously a lot of the, the you know, front office there were, were busy with the Shoot Shield in Australia working uh, down there. And once that finished, the announcement sort of came out thick and fast. So we'll jump into a few of those. Uh, but the Gilgronies, always number one, has to go first. Cole Davis uh, comes down from Canada. And Jeff Hasler, uh, unfortunately for SeaWorlds fans, he was a revelation late 2019 as he helped them win that second championship and uh, got off to a good start again in 2020. Uh, one of the best looking men in world rugby. He goes down to Austin. I think Cole, Jeff... Outside backs, adds to the depth there. Kurt Morath, uh, Will Maggie, they've just got two weapons there now they can start shifting the ball to. Happy with these signings for Austin P. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is, these, are, these are great signings. I mean, I think that the Gil Gronies have just like, really enhanced um, their finishing power. And I don't know that we've seen the best from Jeff Hasler. He's, he had some injuries um, like he, he came off a boat in 2019. He was sailing around the world and just stepped onto the field. Like, so I think that with, with some more prep, I think that, um, that, that he'll do well. And, and Cole Davis, you know, another international, like with, uh, um, you know, they have Mo Abdelmanum down there. So there's a little bit of a Canadian group that's, that's setting up in the, in the uh, Guild Grannies. And I agree with you. There's a couple of good fly halves there that are going to be able to move that ball wide. So I think those are great signings. Real good. Let's go to LA now. And uh, this is going to be a long one. The McNulty brothers, Harry and Sean, will go there. Uh, one from Boston, one from Ireland. Obviously, both from Ireland originally. But one was playing, I believe, in the Irish Sevens. Uh, I think Sean was Boston. Harry was Ireland. Yep. It's going to be, it'll be fun to tell those two apart in 2021. Uh, local talent, Mafi uh, Sinoa. He stays, he's a Belmont Shore product. So he'll stay in you know, the LA area there. And that's a good pickup, big physical player. Uh, Mahi Valano, he stays as well. Another big pickup. Nick Boyer, a name familiar with uh, most US players from the Raptors. He goes over, as does Blake Rogers announced. Another Canadian, DTH Vandermurder, he comes back from Glasgow, I believe. And again, that was rumoured that he was trying to actually get into a team late 2020. And obviously with the, the COVID shutdown didn't happen. So he will be there 2021. Adam Ash comes in and Dave Dennis. Dave Dennis is actually a really big pickup. He was playing over in the premiership uh, Exeter. Is that right, Pete? Playing for the Chiefs? I think so, yeah. He was, kind, he was kind of a starter there for a long time, doing well. Did the double. What's up? Did the double. Did the double okay. at Exeter. Okay. And then, uh, but still in his 30s, but young enough to, to keep going. So here's a fun fact for you. He's actually married to Mark Gerard's sister. So there were always thoughts that he was going to go to the Gilgronies, but now we see that he actually doesn't get along with his brother-in-law and he goes to LA. So little well, infighting. So, so, I mean, I think Dennis is, is, is a, look, there's a lot of great pickups here. I think the most interesting one for me is um, Adam Ash. 
And the reason why he's interesting, he's had, um, he's been with the Glasgow Warriors. He, he has like a handful of caps for Scotland, but he's 27, right? So, so Dennis is like, I think he's 34 and obviously like long career, very experienced. Um, I think he's going to be a, um, you know, a great mentor. Um, but, you know, Adam Ash is a guy that is coming over in his prime. And I think that's a, that's a really, really um, interesting pickup. Yeah, it is. Let's go down to Dallas now, Marco Fipolei. He goes from the Raptors as well, part of the expansion pickup there for the Jackals. Tim O'Malley, he jumps ship from Utah and signs down with Dallas as well. Gives him a little bit of an option at that 10-12 uh, channel now to build that franchise out. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a big loss for um, Utah. I thought O'Malley was... Um, was was uh, an important wasn't with the team last year. Sorry, he wasn't with the team last year. Oh, he, he wasn't back. That's right. It was, it was two years ago. He was important. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Twenty twenty feels like it should just disappear. So don't no, worry. No, seriously, that. it's just like I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that how that how that works. Um, so Marco um, Fepelue, that's a really interesting signing. I don't think he ever fulfilled his potential. Like it was, it was a tight head prop um, uh, brought from Auckland, and you know it'll be interesting to see how he goes in Dallas. Tight head props are important signings, and we'll see that with the next team, Dan. It will, yeah. Paul Mullen, club number three, as he goes Houston, San Diego, and now to the Utah Warriors. And this is this is the one that surprised me. Mikey Teo, he is signed with the Utah Warriors, so leaves the Legion. He's a Southern California boy through and through was with Belmont Shore and then the Legion. Uh, I think he was with the San Diego Tropics. I'm just going to rename him. Uh, you know, at this point, sue me. What are you going to do, Doug? Anyway, he was with the Tropics in San Diego down there. And uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see him move, Pete. Well, I mean, there was taught last year. I mean, I think he had a split contract with Sevens. And I think that he was trying to make the Olympics and play um, for San Diego. And so, like, obviously, you know, um, for whatever reason, uh, he's the Olympics or the Sevens isn't in his future for next year. And so uh, it, is, it is a surprising pickup, but I think a really, really good one for Utah. I mean, this is a real spark plug. This is someone that can really make it. So happen. if you guys remember this, it's, I mean, COVID happened, so he never played for them. But Will McGee came back from London Scottish. At the like, same Mikey time, they had it. signed Mikey Teo, yeah. who got there, and then they shut everything down. Right. So, so you know, obviously, Mike Friday last last year told Mikey that it wasn't in his plans. But a really, I mean, that's a really big pickup. I mean, I think especially for the way that you know you see Utah playing with a wide open game, that's a guy that can play a wide open game. If you can get him into space, then you know you can do some really cool stuff. There's a couple other signings as well. I'll go through those really quickly. Fraser Hurst, Rodney Iona, Aston Fortune, and Matt Dalton, as the Warriors did an en masse squad release. So one name missing that a lot of people are asking about is John Cullen. I know, Pete, you have a close relationship with John. Um, decided to step away from rugby. Is, is, that, is that official? Uh, so, it is now. It is now. Yeah, I... Uh, I... I... I Got something from Brandon saying that he uh, that John decided to step away from rugby again. So they, 
Last year they convinced him. Last year they convinced him to come out of retirement, and if you right. remember, that was huge because he basically called the shot uh, in their. I think it was their final game in this shortened year, and they beat Seattle in Seattle. Yeah, that's right. Good, good, good memory, Aaron. Good memory. So any of those other players in Utah, Pete, you want to talk about? I can jump on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Rodney Oona. Um, played a bit of Super Rugby, cap for Samoa. He's a he's a little bit of a shorter, but he's a very very versatile center. I think he's going to do really well, especially now. Man, I, I love Mikey Teo. I, I really love Mikey Teo, and I think throwing him into fullback um, is going to be a great fit for Utah. And make they're already so dangerous. You've got Tanata Lauti, who comes back from injury. Lance Williams will be back from injury. I mean, I think I think this is a team that that can can do stuff. I mean, I mean, Aston Fortuyn is a like a Pro 14 guy, right? So he played for the Southern Kings. Like they've got some real quality guys that 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 they're bringing back, and you know their uh, their development side is is playing regularly. I, I think you know it'd be great to see some of the local talent get their chance too. I mean, they're building something there. And our favorite, Alex Tucci. Oh, Tucci. Alex Tucci, yeah, that's right. Tucci gang, he's back. And you remember, he's just come back from an ACL injury. That's so right, that's right. Great yeah. to see him back as well. And uh, his roommate, Yuri Van Vuren, DJ Van Vuren, rocking the ones and twos. He comes back as well for Utah. So, you know, got to give him uh, Kimball Care and Brennan Sparks. We had Brennan on the show recently talking about the pathway there, but... That's a strong-looking roster they've released, Pete. Well, I think everyone has a strong-looking roster. I mean, this is great. Like, what's exciting, like, and this is how it should be, right? So now we know players like Paul Mullen. Like, we know Paul, obviously, is an eagle, but moved around Mikey Tay. Now, now the off-season has meaning because we've got players that are moving from teams to teams that can have an impact. And now we start, you know, we're getting close you know the vaccine use for covid looks good i think that you know that's really good for the for the league you know next year and and now we can start imagining what these teams can look like and and it's part of the exciting stuff and and i think that probably the big thing i would say dan that is that for teams like utah you don't know what the first 15 is right, right. they've got enough depth that you actually don't know who the starters are and, and I think that one of the challenges is for a lot of teams in the first few years of MLR is you, could, you pretty much always knew what the starters were or who the starters were, right? And so if you do that, then, you know, you're able to um, – then, then you just don't have the depth to be able to compete. Right. And, and here's the other thing I love about it. We'll, we'll harp on Utah for a bit here. I know there's a lot of signings. But they've gone out and addressed the issues that they had. And for me, it was a set piece. Utah, right. we know they can attack. We know they can defend. They can hit hard. Uh, their line out and their scrum. So they go get Paul Mullen. Let's fix it. Let's, let's get a, an anchor for our scrum. Get Paul Mullen. Great scrummager. We've seen that. Our line out. Go get Matt Dalton. You know, 198 centimeter Matt Dalton, 6'6. Yeah. You know, with Ulster, 22 years of age. Like he's, a, he's still young. He's still going to give you a lot of enthusiasm. But, and it's you know, interesting, Dan. It's interesting, like Matt Dalton, because having spoken to some of these players, right, who are in like elite level competition around the world, these guys want to play, right? So, so Matt Dalton go, goes from being a squad player for Ulster to probably being a starter for Utah. And he gets to play a lot more, right? Like, like you'll see, like, you're, you know, your career is short, 
And so that's exciting when you see those players come over here. Right. And, and I still believe that, uh, and this has never been officially embraced, but there are so many eyes, and we just talked about how popular the league is around the world, that I think players who are in the Matt Dalton mold, who are like, I need to springboard, you know, I need to, I need to change the scenery. You know, Ulster knows who I am. They know what I bring. I'm kind of pigeonholed. Comes to America, dominates. There's people watching all over the world. He's back in the spotlight for a contract to go back to Europe. And, uh, you know, for the next, you know, four or five years, that's going to be the reality for a lot of players coming over to MLR. Young players who are looking to get back into the spotlight, change the scenery, and then senior players who are looking to, you know, give back a little bit and also maybe get away from the spotlight for some of them as well. So, right. All right, extension times. There's a lot of extensions here, but I think we all know which one we're going to talk about. Josh Ferno. I know, Josh Ferno, great extension for San Diego. Really, like, like you know, um, Italian international, great leader, beautiful hair. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's no other extensions to talk about except for Josh Ferno. Is that who you were talking about, Dan? Josh, the towering in. Oh, yeah. still Love. got it. Still got it. So we got it. Yeah, no, that was it. No, it was uh, Ollie Engelhart, our mate from uh, Virtual Rugby up in the Free Jacks. So he's a he's a busier guy off the field than he's on. No, the field. I think he I has think, a lot I think of that franchise. So, so, and so, then, um, any any extensions from Seattle then? One. All right. So, all right. So, nothing that's that important though. No. Well, there's been an update to my restraining order, so <laughs> I'm not allowed to say his name more than three times on a show. But Brad Tucker has extended in Seattle. So great stuff up there, Brad Tucker. And it's good to see Brad Tucker back. There we go. I'm at my limit now. Jessamyn McIntyre. If you say it the devil pops up or something, right? Isn't there something like, if you say it three times, four times, the devil pops up, there's something like that. Shane Skinner comes to my house and locks me up. So I'm not allowed to say it anymore. And then, uh, well, we've talked about the Warriors. A lot of familiar faces coming back as well. All right, Pete. One last thing, uh, I got to gloat a little last week, uh, two weeks ago with the Wallabies beating the All Blacks and then Argentina go and beat them. And now they're you know, a bunch of has-beens. Everyone can beat the All Blacks. So it takes a bit of polish off that win. It was the Wallabies and Argentina on the weekend. And uh, it was a draw. Uh, again, uh, this is probably, in my opinion, was the most disappointing game so far of the three nations. Um, just felt the standard dropped. Understandably for Argentina, the emotion of that All Blacks win. I'm sure they uh, celebrated pretty long into the night there. But the Wallabies looked flat and disappointing. And again, they should have won. Argentina emotionally looked a little drained, but did enough to stay in touch and, and, and lock that draw up. Uh, missed Reese Hodge penalty at the end there with a chance to win it. But... Um, yeah, a little bit of a drop in standard, in my thoughts on this one. Yeah, and, and also I think in the Northern Hemisphere, right, with the with the Autumn Cup, they've got Georgia playing in the competition. Um, but, you know, I, I feel the same way. I caught a little bit of those games um, last, last weekend. And, you know, Ireland were down to their third fly half. I mean, I think people have to recognise, especially, I, mean, I think the Southern Hemisphere have done it, um, better but in the northern hemisphere guys have been playing two games a week i mean yeah. it's 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 nuts and so um you know i think that there's it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how how teams come come out of this obviously it's something we haven't experienced before and i just hope that 
player welfare is, is, is important. You know, there's lots of issues with COVID as well. There are games that have been canceled because of COVID outbreaks. I mean, we're trying to cobble together some rugby around the world and it's, it's, it's really challenging. It's been tough to watch Fiji get canceled week after week after week, but uh, all right, Pete, England, Ireland, have at it, have your moment. Well, I told you like, like I I don't think, you know, I don't think England played well. I, you know, Ireland didn't play well. Um, I think the, uh, you know, it's not clear to me that Eddie Jones, you know, uh, well, you know, I was at the, uh, um, uh, the semi-final where England beat um, uh, where England where um, England beat New Zealand. That was an amazing game, but then got destroyed by South Africa pretty much. Although I think I could argue that there was a prop injury that 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 was in, impactful there. You, you know, you I, just, I, I <laughs> you lean on that just like I lean on the fact that uh, you know England were. were infringing at the drop goal in 2003 it should have been a penalty but anyway i digress continue you know i think i think i think these games it's yeah if it's not the six nation and it's not like these rivalries don't don't appear great the the big thing about i think the automations cup is um it's disappointing to see how poorly george is doing for a long time george has been knocking on the door as a team that should be in the six nations i think they've been through two games and they haven't scored a point um, that's that's disappointing because that's that gap between what's called tier one and tier two nations. We want that to be as close as possible because we want those tier one nations to open up the door to more tests to tier two. And so, you know, I think that what we should, all of us that are in tier two nations should be like looking for like exactly what Argentina have done, right? So they've made that jump um, and we should be looking for other countries to make that jump. But I think Georgia, uh, you know, hopefully they'll, 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 you know, um, grow into the tournament. Um, so I think that's that's something that I, I watch for for the Nations Cup. Beautiful. All right, Pete. Good show. Good show, just, Dan. Just Good remember, to get to the rugby shop, shopmli.com to get all the new kit. Especially um, coming up to the holidays. Nothing, yes. Nothing like one of these nice rugby jerseys for Christmas. That's right. That's right. And then you can wear it in 2021 and people sign it for you right in the back. There you go. Come up and just badger him as much as you like social media he likes getting tweeted at at around three in the morning so all our overseas fans try to figure out when it's three in the morning in colorado and then just blow up his phone for me love it sorry pete thanks dan thanks no worries all right for the professor pete steinberg our producer aaron castro i'm dan power this has been the mlr kickoff podcast